Welcome to the Perfect First Layer Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast where we answer questions from you, the 3D printing community. My name is Guy from Guy's Shop, and with me today, as always, are my co-hosts, JJ and Nathan. Hello. 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 How are you guys doing today? Um, good? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Uh, we Both JJ and I were in your home state, and you didn't even come visit us. But we'll have to talk about that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I I didn't like run down and stop your car as you were going. Nathan yeah. uh, JJ drove like within a mile of my house. Anyways, yeah. so <laughs> we do depend on your questions for this podcast. So if you have one for our panel, please go to perfectfirstlayer.com, go to the submit page and send it. We also have a Patreon. And we only have one level right now. We're simply asking for a small donation to help keep this podcast going. So please go to patreon.com slash perfect first layer. And you can also email us a question at JJ. Perfect first layer at gmail.com. Nice. So both of you guys were in the, the lovely state of Indiana and in Northern Indiana, Goshen, Indiana for Murph. So what was the most exciting thing you saw there, Nathan? Um, all the potholes in the roads. That's not very exciting. No. Um, that's, that's that's Indiana for you. There's a lot of potholes here. Yeah. Um, but aside from the roads, being at the uh, Midwest Rep Rep Festival was pretty fun. I think the most exciting thing I saw there was meeting some of the fans out there that watch our content. So it was great meeting all you guys. Um, there's a couple printers there too, which were pretty cool. But um, Like? Well, let's see. There was the, uh, the Prusa booth, which I always – make a point to record what's going on over there. Um, they got some lovely expensive machines, um, tons of Vorons. Um, there's some machines called like the K3 and the K1, not by Creality, but by Annex Engineering. So those are pretty cool. It's like a, a different kinematic setup than a lot of printers have. Is that the like one that's got like the cross rails and they're just like the X and Y cross each other and they're just linear rails and they pass by each other. Yeah, exactly. And to pull off that X, Y motion system, they use four, um, four stepper motors, four belts and six linear rails. So it's a very um, kind of expensive setup compared to what you'd traditionally use, like on an Ender 5 or a core X, Y setup. But the advantage is, uh, what's that? Is it faster? Yeah, that's the advantage. So you, you're getting a much stiffer machine that can have higher accelerations and move faster. Mm-hmm. Um, so it would be fun to build one of those one day. All right. So they, yeah. they're like a kit machine? Pretty much. And I talked to the uh, the group behind them, and they're a bunch of lovely folks. So uh, I think they tried to scare me off, but I, I kept asking them questions why, why do you think they tried to scare you off i don't know they're just like uh have you ever gone to well you work in a wood shop i don't know if it's similar to a machine shop kind of environment where the guys are always like uh ribbing each other uh-huh. it's kind of the same thing yeah yeah giving um, each other a hard time just to get some laughs and it's just kind of a culture of of memes and uh oh, it's funny cool. guys so what, what, what about you, JJ? What was the most interesting thing you saw there? Yeah, I think the innovation at the like broad scale 
I thought I had cool printers around here. I thought I had a cool Voron that I'd built. And there they had like, there was a Voron V0 that was an IDEX with like two tool heads a to zero it. Zero with this IDEX? It was crazy. There was a, <laughs> there was a, uh, a wide boy lithophane maker. So it was extremely narrow in the Y axis, but like 300 millimeters wide and tall, but maybe 100 millimeters deep. So you could print big, wide lithophanes. (laughs) Um, Or printers made of wood, printers made entirely of a steel casing um, or aluminum casing. Um, Very like specific printers or weird and elaborate printers that people are like, oh, this fits this one weird use case I wanted. So I made a printer for it. Um, It's just super cool. cool and innovative things that I've never seen before, but seeing them in person was really cool. I, I, I wish I would have had time to go up there. I, I was too busy power washing my sidewalks. Yeah, very important work. Uh, um, something that JJ and I both saw, because we met up at uh, Murph, mm-hmm. uh, we were looking at the Lulzbot booth, and apparently they're working on some uh, printer that's currently in development. But it looked like it was printing insanely thick layer lines with really good overhang performance, which is something that um, JJ and I both know is really difficult to achieve. So uh, I'm curious to see what kind of machine they're using to do that. It's one of their R and D projects. It seems like, yeah, that'll be really cool to get high flow rates on thick nozzles is difficult to do. Yeah. I also saw that one video you put out, Nathan, of that, that young kid that with all the weird sciencey type projects. Yeah, that was pretty fun. He he goes yeah. by Doctor Glaucus on uh, yeah um, GitHub. That's where he's uploading his projects. Mm. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I was sitting there, I was watching it, laughing. I'm like, oh my gosh! I I burst out laughing when talking to that guy. He's got so much energy, and uh, <laughs> yeah, look at this! Look, look at this! Look at this! He's running. It's kind of like the spirit of the Rep Rap Festival kind of thing. It's just like. I've spent all this time making all this weird stuff and nobody knows about it. So let me just <laughs> it here and show it to random people like show and tell. Yeah. yeah. So what, what do you have going on in the, the lab right now, JJ? Uh, just coming More back printing? and so much printing, so much editing now. Now I've got a ton of footage from uh, Murph to cut down and make into. Did you, did you get a lot videos. of, a lot of video? While you were yes, there. yeah, yeah, a ton of video, and maybe I even lost some lost some video in the way that I'm like, I thought I filmed that other project, but I guess I didn't. So we'll see what I do have and what I don't have, and we'll cut it down into a couple of videos. Well, that's sometimes a blessing and a curse because it's like oh, I lost the footage, but at the same time I don't have to edit it, so uh, it's almost a win-win. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> so have you gotten anything done since you've been back, Nathan, or before you left? Um, well, I, I went home a little bit earlier and I got there kind of later. So I skipped the first day and I was only there for about two hours on the last day. Um, just because, uh, I mean, at, at a, after a certain point, it's like, all right, I'm a little overloaded on all the excitement and the venue is pretty loud and it's kind of hard to hear people. Mm-hmm. It's kind of exhausting to be in there. It gets real sweaty, you know? <laughs> Yeah, we don't have proper air conditioning set up. I think it's called like the Pig and Swine Arena. Yeah, like it's, it's a 4 H barn. We're in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if they're planning on uh, 
getting a proper venue. I mean, I guess it's the tradition. At well, this point. Yeah. When I went there last year, it was on a Saturday and you could barely walk. It was so jam packed and it was like 95 degrees and it was just humid. And, uh, I, I spent a couple hours there and I, I, I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm, I'm, Glad I didn't go, but I'm kind of sad I didn't go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of yeah. it's kind of bittersweet. Um, I don't have anything going on in my shop because I've been power washing. Yeah, well, um, I'm working on a couple <laughs> things. I don't know if guy guy uh, asks me. I mean, I'm used to the guy <laughs> asking. What I, do you have going in the shop? Today? I did. I did. Okay. All right. Well, I, I got lost in the in the weeds then. That's my bad. Um, but I'm going to try it again. Okay, hold on a second. Okay. Nathan, what do you got going on in the lab? Oh, not a whole lot. <laughs> no, uh, I've, got a, I've got a bunch of machines in for testing, and I, I'm kind of getting backed up. But uh, one project I'm working on right now is we've got these wildfires from Canada blowing a bunch of smoke into oh, the U.S., yeah. especially up here. Yeah, we got so, it here, too. Yeah, I'm working on a project, just like a, a short tutorial on how to kind of turn anything into an air filter. Uh, if As long as you can get an actual filter and you have some kind of fan, just hook them up to each other and make a DIY air filter. Because I know um, I was living in California when they had some wildfires once and all of the air filters were sold out. But you could get the actual filtering membranes like the the squares that yeah. have the but the whole fan unit like those were all gone and when the air quality is that bad you don't want to just be stuck in a smoky house all day yeah um, it's it's kind of hazy here does that hit you down where you're at in alabama n- not yet it, it seems fine at least today but all this right. morning when i walked the dog didn't notice any haziness yeah so it might usually it's a little delayed yeah, you're too far away from Canada. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're smoking us out. <laughs> so, okay. Um, well, we do have a couple questions. And do we want to tackle again joining parts of a larger project together? Yeah. I don't know. We want to talk about again. glue again? Oh yeah, we the lost footage. The lost footage of, of glue. Yeah. Let's save that in case we need to bring up something else. Okay. In case we need to fill a two hour time slot. Oh. I got, I got no respect. For the podcast with no questions, we'll, yeah. we'll dive into that. So this is a question from David, and he says a month ago one of the capacitors on the main on my main board exploded. It stunk quite bad, but the whole 3D printer still works. Unfortunately, it doesn't tell us what kind of 3D printer it was. I did I3 use it. What's Mega. that? It's an i3 Mega okay. in the subject line of the question. Yeah. Okay. I guess I missed that. I did use it for a long time, but I didn't do any upgrades or changes on it. Can I still use it? Love your podcast. Best regards, David. I guess the, the first thing I want to say, if it works, yeah, you can use it. But in a in a safety sense, JJ, is that a problem? I think safety wise, you'd probably be okay. Um, I would keep using it personally. Uh, that cap- capacitor 
there's so many capacitors on a board. Um, Can you explain my, to our audience who may not know what a capacitor exactly does on a main board? So they store charge. Um, so that can help with a bunch of different things. But if your printer's still working, I would say it's probably fine. It might not be able to ride through a slight power dip or something. Um, or, or if one certain things. component needs a little bit extra juice, that's a little it's extra, not there. Yes, yeah. It would be for changing voltages type thing. Um for different components. But yeah, if it's if it's still working, it probably would just hinder your functionality. Yeah. But if your functionality hasn't been hindered yet, then I think it would probably be safe to keep using. That's what, my... What, in what, what do you think, Nathan? Well, um, last year I was at East Coast RepRap Festival and I brought a machine and I plugged it into the wrong power supply and gave it 24 volts instead of 12 volts and it caused one of the capacitors to blow up. It actually blew up right in someone's face, but fortunately they <laughs> were wearing glasses. It sounded like a gunshot. So, uh, what what makes yeah. a capacitor smell? Why does it smell um, so bad? What's inside it, of them? Most of the capacitors that I've seen, um, they're like the paper membrane capacitors. Mm -hmm. So it's like they get a piece of paper, and then they get a piece of metal, and then they roll it up like a like almost a roll of toilet paper, and then they stick it inside of a little. Um, metal housing and that's what that like large-ish looking cylindrical metal thing is but still doesn't answer my question yeah what why does it why does it smell what smells well, bad about it well it's got um electrolytes in it and electrolytes are what capacitors crave so so this is electrolytes burning off or whatever weird chemicals or paper burning yeah it still doesn't sound like it would smell bad. Paper burning. <laughs> yeah, basically any electronic device that you that fries will have a smell to it. It's that magic smoke that electronics let out when they're dying. Yeah. All right. Yeah. As far as, far as I'm concerned with it, if it if it if it's not broken and it still works, mm -hmm. you know, why why I wouldn't sweat it. But I was just wondering if there's a mm -hmm. safety issue with a. A blown open yeah. capacitor on your. Board. If your power supply did, if my power supply did that, I would probably want to change it out fairly soon. Um, but on the main board, I wouldn't sweat it on the main board right. side of things. I guess one issue might be like uh, the a, a risk of short circuits, like mm -hmm. if the capacitor's busted open and there's like the sharp edges from the capacitor. Um, it's got like the this top on it that kind of pops open like a, a soda can, mm -hmm. like when you peel the the tab. Um, that could be like a little sharp thing in there that you might want to make sure it's not going to cause issues. But yeah, if a, when a capacitor blows, it's basically turns itself into an open circuit, mm -hmm. or it changes from a like a hundred millifarad capacitor into a zero millifarad, like a, a capacitance of pretty much zero. So, yeah, it, it it doesn't work anymore. Yeah. It, no work. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about another question about power. This comes from Tom. And we talked about this once very briefly, but I think that we can go a little bit more depth in it. It said something JJ mentioned in the last episode was power outages. 
whilst printing a helmet, for example, that's what you're talking about. I really don't understand when, who needs an uninterrupted power supply. These power outages that people talk about, are they momentary outages that cause print failures or are they longer outages that cause print failures? I ask as I'm about to buy my first 3D printer and I've never owned any kind of battery-based power supply protection. On my computer, I never notice any power outages other than the longer outage kind. So my question is, what kind of power outages are you referring to and are they common? Well, you know, common really depends on where you're at. You know, I don't think we can answer that. But um, I'm supposing the power consumption of a 3D printer means the capacitors, and they talk about capacitors, mm -hmm. they have for the motor drivers are not specified to provide much power supply protection. Uh, please discuss the topic of power supply, sorts of power outages that people can commonly expect, and who really needs to invest in UPSs or uninterrupted power supplies. Great podcast, and thanks in advance, Tom. Nathan, what do you think about this question? I guess the first part of the question more is like, you know, if there's, uh, we get them here all the time where it's just a quick blip in power, where I mean, it's not even enough to, for a clock to lose its time. It's just really super quick. Will a printer lose its? So um, when you turn your printer off, you know, like the fan will keep spinning for a couple of seconds and then it'll stop. Mm -hmm. That's that's telling you there's like some stored energy in your power supply. So if you're, uh, the power outage is brief enough, if it's just like a, a tenth of a second, then it'll lose power and then it'll turn back on and it hopefully won't actually cause the voltage to go down low enough for the printer to shut off. Um, personally, I've always lived in areas where we have a stable power grid, so I haven't had to deal with that. But if you had those types of power outages, then getting a UPS or something would be advantageous. The other thing you could do is have a printer that uh, has power loss recovery. But in my experience, power loss recovery isn't super reliable. The only printer that I've seen it work in really nicely is on the Bamboo Lab printers because it'll repurge at the beginning of a print and then prime the nozzle and then start. But on other printers, when you start it back works. up... Yeah, it just, it's just like, okay, let's pick up where we left off. <laughs> Instead of what it needs to do is insert some G-code, some new startup G-code where it'll prime the nozzle, maybe wipe it somewhere and then start up. Yeah, I would so, just I would just wonder if we get a lot of power just where I am. That's why we talked about this once a while back. And I said, I've got UPSs on all my equipment here in my office. Uh, I had it, but We got so many. I mean, it was corrupting the hard drives. So... Um, but I guess my question on a printer, since it's not just receiving electrical impulses, it's also reading code. Could that, would that make any difference? So you get that short little outage. Is that enough for it to interrupt the code that's being fed to it? I don't know. I'm just throwing that it's out. It's usually pretty good. So I've... Uh, you can, on the back of most printers, flip it off and flip it back on again. It'll just keep printing right through it uh, because of those capacitors store enough charge in a power supply that usually it needs all those capacitors and the max amount of wattage in that power supply for heating up. But for actual printing time, it's really not using that much power. 
And so you can flip it, flip it back on. And so I bet it could ride through those, those immediate power blips you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, it probably could make it through those. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of code execution, like G code execution, um, if you're running a, a Marlin type printer where you put the SD card in it and that's storing all of the data, um, when the main board loses power, then the whole thing will stop. You won't, I, d I doubt you'd be in a situation where you'd uh, lose G code, but the printer would keep running. The only time you might have a situation like that is if you have um, like a clipper type of setup where you've got a separate computer that's running the clipper interface and then you've got your MCU and you might have a situation where one of those loses power but not the other and then it would be really hard to um, like it might drop some instructions there but really it would probably just cause your whole print to fail. Um, and as far as I know, most Clipper um, installations don't have power loss recovery. Um, however, the K1 does. So that's something that Creality might have added into the Clipper uh, code base, but they haven't re-uploaded that to, to benefit everyone else yet. Yeah. I, I've never really concerned myself with having power loss recovery. I've heard it causes some, uh, some problems sometimes in printing. So if, if, if I'm able to, I shut it off. Um, and if power of my area goes out and I do lose a print, you know, uh, that's the cost of doing business. Yeah. It's not a big yeah. deal to me. So I lost, I never print anything that takes like three days to print. If I had like a three day print, yeah, I'd cry. Cause it would, of course mm -hmm. it would go out like an hour before, it finishes. Um, but for the most part, I, I don't have printer that prints that go at over, you know, a couple hours. So, yeah. And another thing you could do to save a print that, that you lost halfway through is in Prusa slicer, you can set, um, a chopping plane. So you can split the model at a certain layer height, and then you could just print the top half of the model and then glue it on there. That'd probably be a pretty, uh, mm -hmm. cheap and easy way to do it. Speaking of joining models, we can talk about glue since you mentioned it now, Nathan. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, we have to talk about glue. We, we've had so many jokes about it now. Nobody knows how deep the uh, the rabbit hole goes yeah. in terms of so, glue. Storage. Yeah. So we were talking about glue. And just to give us everybody a little bit of idea of what we're talking about is is being a, a, a wood nerd, not only a 3D printing nerd, but a, a wood nerd, I'm, I'm surrounded by glue all the time. So I know a lot of the different properties of the different types of glue and what some of the advantages and disadvantages are. And we were talking about that quite a bit. And I actually get very excited about talking about glue. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's really pathetic. <laughs> So we were talking about joining stuff together with glue and, you know, what, what, what's been your experience with using like, um, CA glue or cyanoacrylate glue, super glue, JJ. I always go with super glue. Uh, I try to buy it in as small of bottles as possible. Mm -hmm. I think it's just, I, it's a magical glue, especially for 3d prints. 
where you put just a dot on there and then press the parts together. And then five seconds later, you've got a pretty good bond and leave it for a few minutes and you've got a dried solid bond to it. Do you use Um, the accelerator? No, not even with that. I do think it needs to be fresh glue. Um, So that's why I try to buy small bottles of it because I feel like it dries out after or after a while. Not that it dries out some sort of like the the glueiness of it (laughs) loses its glueiness after a while. (laughs) And I'm sure Guy could explain what's no, I can't. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It's my insanity in my head. Yeah, I'm yeah. not a big fan of super glue um, just because of the its failure mode. It just like snaps mm. all at once. Yeah. But like for decorational pieces or like handles that aren't going to be like loaded in tension, like you're not trying to pull them off, mm-hmm. then uh, they work pretty. It works really nicely because it's a really clean, easy way to do it. You just put a tiny bit of glue on and it cures pretty fast. So um, my go to would be epoxy or um, an adhesive I've been using a lot is this, it's called Permatex uh, Black Gasket Maker. That stuff is really good. Um, what do you like about that? It just seems to stick on everything. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I had an air mattress with a bunch of holes in it and I just like put it over all the holes and it, it stuck to it. Sticks to 3D prints. It sticks to uh, like carbon fiber. So yeah. I don't, I don't know how good it is, but it seems to do a pretty good job. And it's like kind of a gap filling adhesive because it's kind of rubbery mm-hmm. and you, you have to let it cure for a while, but it kind of um, does a good job of filling in those voids. Yeah. And also uh, for certain handles on parts, I needed them to be like kind of rubbery and grippy. So I put some of that Permatex on there and, and just a thin layer, almost like a surface coating. And then that gives you that nice rubbery texture, but um, it, it stays stuck on there pretty well. Yeah. One of the problems with super glue is that the surfaces have to mate perfectly. Um, we talked yeah. about that and it's, and you used a, a term, Nathan, gap filling. Super glue, even the thick stuff is non-gap filling. So if the surfaces don't match or mesh together exactly and smoothly right. super glue won't stick doesn't matter what you do it won't stick so, yeah and that's important if you're doing stuff like furniture where it's high loads and if it breaks someone might get hurt but in terms of like basic 3d prints like a cosmetic helmet or like a, a statue or something that you're working on i think it'd probably be fine even if it's not like a perfectly mated surface as long as it sticks then just call it good enough. Actually, super glue is stronger than most wood glues. Right. As okay. long as the surfaces are prepared correctly. Well, wood glue doesn't work if surfaces aren't prepared correctly. Oh, okay. That's where your failure uh, is. Because we talked about this before with the gap filling part. People think that, well, I've got this thick, gooey wood glue. And if your joints mate perfectly... I mean, there's a that perfect bond there before you put glue on. When you put glue on that piece of wood, it swells because there's water in the glue. And the wood swells up and you can't get that piece inside the other piece anymore. It just won't fit. 
So what a lot of people do, well, I need to make room for the glue and the expansion of the wood. So they make the joints smaller, the hole bigger and the thing that goes into it smaller, let's say the pin smaller. So that when I put the glue on it, it's got this nice tight fit. However, when the, the wood glue, all the, the, the water goes out of the wood glue and it's all that's left is the, 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 the resins, it doesn't fill the gaps and the wood shrinks and you get a bad joint. Yeah, if that makes sense. So So, epoxy works really good to gap fill. It's about the only thing I've ever used that is real, truly gap filling. Um, There's also polyurethane glue, which I've used on some 3D prints before. That's like the Gorilla Glue. Mm, Yeah, that's that stuff foams up again, not gap filling, but it foams up. You would think it's gap filling, but it doesn't work that way. Super glue doesn't swell your joints up. So you've got if you've got that 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 joint, let's say it's a wood joint or a plastic joint and it fits together perfectly and you put CA glue on there whether it's wood or plastic, there's not uh, there's not enough water in it to really expand the material itself. It sticks very well and super glue is actually stronger than most people give it you know, give it uh, uh, credit for credit for. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's extremely strong. It just relies on proper preparation. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's one of those things where it's like, um, like I'm from a mechanical engineering background. So when we, if you want to glue something together, you, you need it to be, and you need it to be a certain amount of strength. You have to, factor in all of these like variables in the manufacturing process. So like if you're going to use super glue, then you have to add a bunch of prerequisite processing just to make sure that it's done properly. Otherwise you can only guarantee it to the strength of like what a poorly performing glue surface would be. Yeah. But in the, in the, the context of what we're talking about, which is mostly 3d printing, let's forget the, Mm you know, the woodworking or metalworking or anything like that, just 3D printing. If it were me and I had two things that were, I've, I've tried to glue stuff together with super glue and it just fails. I'm like instantly, I can't get it to stick together because the surfaces aren't perfect. An accelerator doesn't really do anything other than make the joint weaker. So in those cases, you know, I'll put a little bit of pox or, or super glue on there. But the thing is, once you put super glue on there and if it you it doesn't go together, it'll never go together because super glue won't stick to super glue. Hmm. That's yes. the problem yeah. with most glues. I've seen that. Like you, you stick it together and then you pull it apart and it's like, ah, go back together and it just never goes. <laughs> nope. And yeah. you can put more glue on it and it just doesn't matter because most glue doesn't stick to other glue. Epoxy huh. will. Epoxy is gap filling, but like wood glue doesn't stick to wood glue. Um, I talked about this before. I use a lot of, in my woodwork. I use hide glue. I mean, literally hide glue, animal hides. Yeah. It's really but- stinky and nasty, but <laughs> it'll stick to anything. Anything will stick to hide glue and hide glue will stick to anything. It'll stick to itself. It's, it's wonderful stuff, but we're not going to go down that road. But so it, 
gap filling you're saying it's it is gap it filling. Is, yeah, it, it's wonderful consider. stuff um most people don't like it because you have to have like a pot and you get by these beads and you put water in it it's, makes your shop smell like dirty gym socks um is it kind of like you get a bunch of roadkill and you put it in a big bucket and boil it exactly that's that's what i do I, I, I try to find as many raccoons as I can. Possums are the best. You drive through Goshen and pick up all the... I don't have to do that. In, in Indiana, you just drive five miles or you're in a farm country. So, but um, but if, in, the, in the context of 3D printing stuff, I've had the most success with epoxy. And I'll just, mm. I've just got a, a, a couple little bottles of the five-minute epoxy, and I just mix it together and just put it together, wait like 10 minutes. It's got to be clamped. But once you do that, and you can clamp it with tape too, that's necessarily a mechanical clamp. But it works mm -hmm. really well. It's gap filling. And in 24 hours, it's got to let it sit 24 hours. It gets tacky in five minutes. And it'll hold together in five minutes, but you can still break it apart. But you let it sit for a day and you're, you know, overnight, you're fine. Mm-hmm. Now, my favorite way to glue two pieces together is to get a blowtorch out and just melt the crap out of both ends and then squish them together. And that's stronger than even your layer adhesion will be, so it'll be stronger than the part itself. Yeah, but if you if aesthetics are important. No. <laughs> I said if. If, yeah. But that's good yeah. to know that super glue doesn't stick to other super glue, and that is probably what my issue is sometimes where if it doesn't stick the first time and I come back with it and I try to put more super glue on top of work. it and I tried more and more and yeah, nothing is working. What, what I'll do is I'll, if I'm, if I'm gluing two pieces together with super glue, especially like plastic, I'll put yeah. it together and I'll count to 60 mm -hmm. and you know, I'll just, you know, do, 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 do. it's kind of boring, but yeah, it's, then, it's, then you just set it down and leave it alone for the next couple hours. And it'll yeah. be fine after that. It's one of those things where you want to mess with it. Like I always want to test uh -huh. the joint and see like, is it strong? And then it pulls apart and then it's like, ah, oh, crap. And yeah. I try to put it back together and it never works. Yeah. So. I'm, I'm, I'm at my age, I've become very patient because I just sit around and wait for things most of the time. Like I sit around waiting for death right now. <laughs> <laughs> waiting for paint to dry and super glue to set. Yep. Yep. <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, my two sides are either super glue or hot glue are my two. Yeah, hot glue. Hot, hot glue is my gap filling one or holding down electronics that I might want to remove six months to a year have, later. Have you guys ever tried that goop stuff? No, I haven't. I saw it at uh, East Coast Rep Rap Festival. They were demonstrating it and like really yanking on two parts that were uh, glued together. That with were it. gooped together? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was talking with some Europeans and they were like, yeah, we don't have this in our country because, uh, there's a bunch of bad chemicals in it, but I guess you U S people are crazy. You have all your guns and, and chemicals and well, anything you, you want to play with. You know, that's, that's, that's a topic for uh, another it's day. Gloop. Maybe 3d gloop G L O O P. It's gloop. Yeah. I thought it was goop or. At least what I found was gloop. Was it purple? Yeah, it's like a purpley branded. Yeah, logo. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they weren't at uh, Murph this time. No. no, they were there last time. I just didn't. I was like, I don't want to talk to these guys about gloop. So, all right. 
that was that was much more interesting than the last conversation we had with Lou. <laughs> yeah, and about ten minutes shorter. Oh. <laughs> oh. So there's always more. There's always more. I can go on yeah. for hours, man. I know why Guy didn't want to talk to the Gloop booth. He'd probably just go up there and be like, "I know more than you." Goodbye. No, no, <laughs> no, no. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do that. I may think that, but I wouldn't do it. So this is kind of a weird question, and I don't know the answer to it because I don't know anything about it. It says, with the new addition of podcasts to YouTube Music, do you guys have any plans of uploading these podcasts to that platform on a separate channel? That's a good idea. What's he talking about? So there's YouTube Music. I've used them to listen yeah, to like music so on my way to work. Hmm. Um, there's no video part to it. Mm-hmm. But I guess they're supporting podcasts now. So that's oh, okay. Thanks for the tip. So is it like a, do I have to do a separate upload to it? I'm guessing it's just like how Apple podcasts or Spotify well, works. See what I do with this for uh, the people out there that doesn't know how this works. All I do is it's actually a, an RSS feed for this podcast yeah. and I, I, I pay uh, a company to all I do is upload it to one thing. And that RSS feed populates all the different podcast applications. So I don't have to submit it to Apple and then to Google and then to Spotify. It just happens automatically. I don't know if that's the way this works or do I have to actually upload it to him? Looks like Nathan's checking into it right now. <laughs> I'm I'm learning what an RSS feed is. So I don't know what RSS stands for. It's it stands for, for really simple syndication. That, that would make <laughs> sense because it's really simple. Really simple. It's all you need. Yeah. It's a, it's a URL, but it's a RSS. They call it an RSS feed. So, Anyways, so nobody has the answer to that. I guess we'll, we'll have to look in that. Let's we'll look at that, yeah. Yeah, and that comes from Short and Stumpy. That's an interesting name. I wonder if his mom named him that or that's his nickname. <laughs> On the internet, you make your own name. <laughs> that's true. I wouldn't call myself Short and Stumpy, though. Anyways, so there's another question that I thought was pretty good. Um, he says he's relatively new to, this is from Lewis and he says, I'm relatively new to the 3d printing community and I've been able to acquire a few printers from an auction site here in Vegas where 3d printers go extremely cheap. Uh, an Ender S1 flash forge adventure three pro and a frozen mighty eight K resin printer. I've also been lucky enough to find an original stock Prusa i3 Mark II for $100 through the marketplace. If you were to choose, so this is really the question. If you were to choose between the the Prusa Mark II and the Ender 3 S1, which would you choose and why? Nathan? Well, um... The i3 MK2 should be a pretty nice printer, but I think it's got loud stepper drivers on it, so that automatically rules it out for me. I don't run anything with loud stepper drivers anymore just because... um, They're loud. 
Yeah. I mean, they'll, they'll drive you insane. <laughs> so, um, so then you've got the flash forge adventure three pro and the ender three S one. Um, I'd probably personally, I'd probably go with the ender three S one just because that's what I'm the most familiar with. And there's a big modding community and a lot of aftermarket parts available for it. Yeah. Um, flash forge adventure three. I'll take a look at that one, but yeah, that looks like one of those cube printers. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be nice, but, uh, any printer that I get, I'm concerned about long-term service life. And if you get a really popular model, um, it'll be supported for a long time. Yeah, well, the, the, yeah. I'm not trying to be contrary, but I think the Mark II is, you know, it's a Prusa machine. It's all open source. Yeah, yeah. the Mark II would be pretty good. Yeah. It's just the small caveat of the stepper noise. Um you could upgrade the the main board for mm-hmm. it, but then you're looking at another thirty or forty dollars, yeah. versus the if you get get the Ender three S one for the same price, then that's going to be quieter. But then again, you know the the Mark II really isn't a bad deal either. No. I don't see them for that cheap often. No. What what about you, JJ? It's a lot newer. That Ender will be a lot newer. The yeah. Mark II was released in 2016. I just looked up, um, and so getting Ender three S one, which was a few years ago. Um, yeah. In well, the last, yeah. The uh, Prusa Mark II was really ahead of its time. Like yeah. it was direct yeah. drive extruder, pretty fast, reliable machine. Um, and I think it really took until the Ender 3S1 to really catch up to to have like feature parity hmm. with the, the Prusa machines. Well, the thing with Prusa machines, and I, I've, I know I talk about my, my, my Prusa clone, is it's kind of like an iPhone. It just works. Yeah. You go through the setup process and it just works. There's not a lot of fiddle farting around with it. So if you're looking more for a tool than the, 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 you know, a hobby, the Prusa is the way to go. Yeah. There's certain things about that, the machine that are, are going to be really nice to work on. Um, one is that they use linear rails instead of the V groove wheels. So the difference there is linear rails. It's a metal on metal, uh, sliding, uh, member mm-hmm. versus with V groove wheels. It's like these rubber, uh, Delrin plastic wheels on an aluminum extrusion. And you have to like manually tension them versus on the Prusa machines. You never basically never have to do that because it's that, uh, slightly higher quality motion system. So, but yeah, that's a really good analogy of the Prusas like the iPhone of, I would much rather have an old iPhone than an old Android phone because they very much get out of date and stuff. Right. Yeah. But in this uh, analogy, you're talking about an old iPhone with a new Android phone, which yeah. I, I've done the yeah. side by side on that before. <laughs> I'd still take the old iPhone or the yeah. Android phone. Yeah. That's just personal preference. And a lot of it does come down to that, Lewis. It, it comes down yeah. to personal preference, what you're looking for. Um, the, the, the Ender 3S1, I think, is going to have a bigger build area than the Prusa. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's going to be slower than the Prusa, too. Yes, no, maybe. It's probably about the same. Probably about the same. Because they're both direct drive extruders. Um yeah. Put Clipper on the Ender, then it'll win. But yeah. stock, they might be pretty similar. Yeah, you can't put 
Clipper on that. Well, yeah, you can put Clipper you on yeah. on Prusas, but they the, the the boards don't really work very well with it, from what I understand. But so, are we completely discounting the Flash Forge Adventure Three Pro and the Frozen Mighty Eight K? He said that he yeah. has those. Oh, okay. Yeah, the yeah, question yeah. was if if you were to choose between the Mark II and the S One, which would you choose? Okay. He's acquired a few printers. Oh, wow. He's already got three printers. Yeah. And he's saying he's new. Yeah. 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 Relatively new. Yeah. That's cool. So both of you guys had a chance to, to run your resin printers. I think, Nathan, you put a, a resin printer video out. Yeah. What are you guys thinking of the, the resin printers? Um, well, I've got my whole video out on it. Um, basically, I spend about five to 10 minutes of the whole video runtime, just talking about like the safety implications and making sure that you're using that stuff safely because this resin stuff is not good. It's carcinogenic. You don't want to get it on your hands. Um, you got to dispose of it properly. It smells bad. So it's like, do you really want to bring that <laughs> into your... I definitely wouldn't want to do it in a living room or a bedroom. No. So no. definitely you want to make sure you have a garage set up for it. Um, and that rules a lot of people out because if you're living in an apartment, you don't really have a space that you can yeah. really do it in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, JJ? Yeah, I feel the same way. Um, but it's so cool. Like the prints coming off of it are really incredible. The mm -hmm. detail that comes off of it. I feel like every time I'm like, and I keep putting it off because it's so annoying to glove up and always be careful around the chemicals and careful around all these things. Um, but I love the prints that come off of it. They're so detailed. Yeah. I, I appreciate what you guys are saying about the, the harsh chemical aspect of it, but I'm not that um, concerned about that stuff. Mm -hmm. I, I, that's just me. Um, I mean, I wear gloves, but I don't wear a, a, a respirator or any of that stuff. I wouldn't want to do it in, in the house just because it's really stinky. Yeah. Uh, and it's very messy. I just, I just don't, I make sure I don't get it out of my hand, but it's prolonged exposure to it mm -hmm. is where it can cause a problem. And I don't know, just getting it on your skin, is that carcinogenic or do you have to like drink it's it? I think it's the same thing of it's a long-term exposure long -term to exposure. it. Like having it touch your hand for a little bit is fine. Or, you yeah. know, it's not going to be horrible, but it's one of those things like every time it touches your skin, your body builds up this like response to it or something. Mm -hmm. And so at some point when it touches your hand, you will break out in this huge allergic reaction to it. Or something. That's what I think I've heard. Yeah. So there's a, that's the way a lot of allergies work. I mean, guy probably knows about it with wood shop. Like some people get really allergic to sawdust after sure. exposure to it for a long mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. um, it's just kind of the way your immune system works. It like over repeated cycles of exposure, it gets more and more sensitized to that. And then eventually you're like super allergic to it. And it's like, you know, you can get a rash and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And then, I mean, there, there is a lot of safety stuff that should be kept in mind if you plan on doing it. I feel like it's kind of similar to like the desktop lasers that are unenclosed. Yeah. Uh, it's like, you know, it's not quite as family friendly as your, uh, your FDM printer is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, I, yeah. I, I received a, uh, 
Creality resin printer also. I have not even fired it up yet. I took it out of the box. Oh, nice. That's it. I've got one still in the box, so. <laughs> yeah, I haven't, I haven't done anything with it. Um, maybe someday I'll do something with it. <laughs> I gave my other one away, my other printer, or other, or other resin printer I gave to my son. Uh, actually, I sold it to him. Isn't that awful? Nice. Nice. Yeah. Profit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I did pay for it. So yeah, yeah. It wasn't like somebody make your money's worth. So another thing I want to talk about really quick, too, and I, 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 I've heard people talk about it, which is the Bamboo P1P lowering its price to five ninety nine, which I think is a big deal. So what what do you uh, think about what what do you think caused that JJ? I think Creality was entirely the cause of that. Do you? I think uh, Creality is such cutting in was a great decision to cut in a hundred dollars under the P one P because that's a considerable amount of price drop right there. Yeah, and, and it actually has more stuff than the the P one P. Yeah, at the same price. More. It has more stuff than the P one P. And so then Bamboo strikes back, but with including more things for free, like including the auxiliary fan and the light and the camera for free. And then now doing a full hundred dollar price drop, probably because their sales have dropped. Yeah. I, that, that would be my guess. They wouldn't do it if it wasn't really affecting their sales. Well, I, I wonder if the, if it's representative of the whole market of 3d printers, because I've noticed that a lot of the stuff that I'm buying now is going down in price. I don't know if it's like the summer sale season or um, just printers in general. I don't know. In regards I, to I, what? I, th- I think the models are changing. I think they're trying, they're getting rid of the old inventory for the new stuff that's coming out. Hmm. Yeah. That could be it. Oh, that's, that's pretty common. But I, you know, well, it, it's kind of funny, you know, JJ's mentioning the, the crowd at K1. We talked about this before we started the podcast. I think us three guys are the only ones that, think positively of the Crowley. <laughs> Every video I've seen, people just bash the hell out of it. Why? I, I still don't understand why they everybody hates it so much. It's like they have to compare it to the to, to the to the bamboo, number one, which I understand you do have to mm-hmm. compare it to the bamboo because that's why the machine was created in the first place. But the stuff that they, people complain about, it's so minimal. Well, I, I'll, I think part of it might be explained by um, us three. We've tried out the Bamboo Lab P1P, but a lot of the other reviewers that I've seen have the X1C. So they're comparing the X1C to the K1, and maybe it doesn't compare as favorably to that printer, but the X1C is like $1,300 and the K1's $600. Yeah. So like, yeah. you got to keep the price in mind for that. I think another funny comparison you see a lot of people saying, oh, wow, the K1 just looks like they ripped off Bamboo Labs. Yep. With how similar it looks. Uh, but how many Ender 3 clones have there been? <laughs> like, yeah. that's been a genre of printers for the last yeah. five, ten years. Aluminum extrusion, V-groove wheels. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Odin and now direct drive extruder. But the thing is, that's how that's, how that's that's how a free market works. Somebody comes up with mm-hmm. a great idea and the people copy it. Yeah, uh, that's that's how it happens. And 
again, I I really like my K1. Oh yeah, I use it more. I use that more now than I do my P1P. Yeah, I think the the user interface is a lot more convenient. Mm-hmm. The P1P, like old '80s remote user interface, is just like, man, why did they have to cheap out that much on such an <laughs> yeah. important part of the machine? <laughs> the input delay. Everyone was going to control it from their computer, but um, mine actually won't even connect to my LAN anymore. So I can't control it from my computer and I have to throw SD cards over to my P1P and it's just like a really bad experience. Yeah, I had to replace my motherboard and now I can't bind it to the to the phone anymore. I reset it. I did everything. Tech supports. Reflash the firmware. So yeah. it just won't bind a thing. So I just do the LAN only and I haven't had any problems with it. But still, you know, I can't up. I can't update the, the, the machine anymore. Right. Oh yeah. It I can't has, upla- it has to be bound to the to the app on your phone to up to update the firmware of the machine. Yeah, and to get the app wow. on your phone you have to accept the user agreement. So it's like uh-huh. they're like pigeonholing you into agreeing to all of this shit just so that you can get the basic functions of your printer to work. Yeah, and I can't I can't yeah. but it won't let me do it. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so that's like philosophically, I really don't like that about Bamboo Lab. It's like they force you to do things versus with the, the K1. It's just like I got the K1. I set it up on my desk. I plug in a USB drive and I can get it to work. I mm-hmm. connect it to my Wi-Fi. I can send jobs over to it mm-hmm. instantaneously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's just, just a lot more convenient. Yeah, just the standard web interface they have for it worked fine. It's not as fancy as a Fluid mm-hmm. or Mainsail, but yeah. it still works. Yeah, I mean, you can transfer files up. You can see if it's printing. You can do the basic functions. Um, but now there's, you know, uh, there's a couple of videos out there that show you how to get like fluid working on it. On it. Mm-hmm. And it works. I think fine. that would be amazing if Creality would just do that and release the Clipper config or allow users to get into that Clipper config file. Then mm-hmm. I would be over the moon about this printer. But I you, think it's great, but not perfect. Have you seen those videos out there? That, that yes, yeah, okay. yeah. I just I I don't want to go through. I haven't. Yeah, me neither. I'm like, yeah. do I really want to risk bricking a machine just to get some features ahead of everyone else? Uh, I did. It wasn't. It wasn't a big mm-hmm. deal. It was just yeah. putting some lines of code in there, and boom, you're done. Mm-hmm. It was. Yeah, I wish it wasn't they, anything. It, I wish they would have shipped it with. Clipper and been more straightforward about like, hey, this is Clipper instead of calling it Creality OS and not open sourcing it. it I think the, a lot of the stuff is it that. is on there already. Fluid is on there already. Yeah, you just right, have yeah. to change. You have to just be able to change some code so it you can access it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so, yeah. This is this is getting into some stuff yeah. that I talked to some folks at uh, uh, Murph about is the the whole thing with Creality not open sourcing it, like they're using open source software to build their product mm-hmm. and they're distributing it without like, uh, you know, sharing the source code, which is what they should be doing. Mm-hmm. I talked to the people at Creality and they said they're tr- they're working on it and they're trying to get it done by the end of next month in uh, mm. end of July. Well, by the time you listen to this, it'll be July. So, you know, they're, they're, they want to release that stuff. It's just, they kind of have this attitude of we want to make sure that it's in a stable configuration before we release the, the source code. Mm-hmm. And then you've got people on the other side being like, no, you have to release it now. That's part of the deal if you use open source. Um, so it's just like this big 
flame fest. And I think it would be easier if Creality would just push out what they have now or just go completely closed source and make their own thing, which, you know, probably the best option is to just go full open source and, and follow the agreement. So that, yeah, just, just let it out there. But the other thing too, is, you know, just, just like anything in the world, people can get very ideological about certain, certain things. And open source is one of those things. I myself don't give a crap. I just don't care. I've got, I've got so many other things to worry about in my life other than if Creality releases the source code for their, for their software. Yeah. I think the people that are most upset about it are the people that contributed to those open source projects with the understanding that, you know, they put the work in and they want the recognition and they're not. And if they do, they're more than welcome to take legal action. Right. And that's what I've, I've said. It's like, nobody's going to sue them. It's a real yeah. shitty attitude to have. Sorry for the PG-13 language, but yeah. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, a company is not going to uh, change their course of behavior just to, to be the good guy. They're probably just going to do whatever is legally required of them. Yeah. All right. I don't know how yeah. deep we want to get into this subject. Um, <laughs> I think we'll just oh, end, we'll end it there. <laughs> I had one last thing to say about okay. the, uh, the price drop, $100 off on the P1P. So uh, a month ago, I posted a survey. How will Bamboo Lab respond to the Creality K1 launch? My options were they won't. Uh, price reduction of $100 on the P1P and X1C. Bamboo Lab will launch a new printer soon. And Bamboo Lab will pursue legal action against Creality. And uh, the winner of that poll was 60% uh, out of 1,800 people said that they won't do anything. Um <laughs> But as I, I pretty much figured they were going to have to drop the price a hundred mm-hmm. bucks. Yeah, on the product. They would have to do something. They that's what my money something. was on. And that's what I would have voted. And that was only 15% of the voters. 17% said bamboo is going to launch a new printer soon. And it, like in response to the K one and 7% said bamboo will pursue legal action. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Mr. <laughs> here. I got ASA working up on the K one today with just it works great this printer has been for high temperature filaments this polymaker asa which i've never been able to print before and yeah. i was just like well, i've never tested it out let's just try it and boom it works perfect print well, at the end of the day no printer is perfect and you know there's yeah, the sure. of things you for could sure. complain about on the k1 if you wanted to yeah. but it's pretty good overall i think yeah i think so too all right uh, we're going to have to wrap it up because our software is running out of time. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks, guys. And remember, we really need questions and participation from you, the listener. So make sure to go to perfectfirstlayer.com and go to the submit page and ask us. And Nathan, why don't you tell everybody where you can be found at? I'm on YouTube. Just look up Nathan Builds Robots. All right. I'm also uploading a couple things on TikTok here and there. So. Oh, okay. JJ, where can people <laughs> yeah, find you at? Same. You can find me at YouTube at JJ Shankles. All right. And I can be found on, on Guy's Shop on YouTube. So thanks so much for listening, everybody. And uh, we'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Bye. See ya.